when you know, coach, actually thinking about this, I'm going to ask you when you first got to varsity, but you, you've done so many different things. I can come at this question in so many different ways, because actually in high school, you were on the, the drill team. You're a part of dance. So I'm going to I don't know enough about dance. I'm going to go a different direction with this. You're right now you're a lead strength coach. I want to know when you first got in the weight room and started throwing some of that steel around, who was the first person to bust your butt in the weight room? Um, so I first started like weightlifting with uh, friends who were actually powerlifters in high school. And I think we were in like summer, you know, we were doing summer lifting and they would open the weight room for us in my hometown. And um, we would kind of all go. And the first person to like really bust my butt was uh, a kid named Aaron. Um, he, I was kind of lifting, but I really wasn't sure. There's this like stigma in my brain around girls that lifted. And um, I think I was squatting and he was like, oh, that's baby weight. He was like, what are you doing? Like, you have to get it together. He was like, you need to put more weight on that bar. That looks terrible. And I was like, very offended. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I kind of got in my brain and I was like, well, let me show you what I can do if, if this is baby weight. And so I just started loading plates on there. And I was like, and I, I had never done anything lifting heavy before really this, this, that particular summer. And, um, I just got really offended. Uh, my brother said it best this past weekend. I think with the my siblings and I, we are extremely motivated by um, like being angry. So <laughs> I, I just felt really motivated and I was like, well, let me show you what I can do. And um, I had, you know, 135 on the bar and then uh, 155 on the bar and then 185 on the bar. And, and my friends were like, whoa, what? And I, in my brain, I mean, I wasn't showing it, right? Because I had to be like, see, I told you. But in my brain, I was like, oh, what? And I don't know <laughs> if he hadn't if he hadn't busted my butt. I don't know that I would have even realized that I was actually pretty strong. So. I love it. I love it because, you know, the good power lifters, they get themselves fired up. They're, they're slapping and pumping. You know, like I, I've, been to, I've been to a couple of those meets, so I see it. But now I bet you a lot of your Houston Energy teammates hopefully listen to the show. And so I want you to give them their flowers. I want to know when you stepped onto the gridiron in professional women's football, what, who was the first person that kind of welcomed you to the Houston Energy? Um, the first person that welcomed me welcomed in yes air i'm putting that in big air quotes who busted your butt uh, Aislinn? <laughs> uh, i think so at our first practice that we were kind of, we had some contact uh we have a player named jay jones okay and jay jones is uh hands down a beast and i was kind of running this little like d-line like look drill you know a little peak drill and um we're supposed to you know just peek and then get rid of her. And uh, I just wasn't being especially aggressive. It was like my first time having contact like this. And um, so my one of my coaches, Coach Bird, was like, hey, like you need to get more aggressive. And as a former drill team girl, I didn't, even though I'd been around football for so long, I just, I, I think I just didn't really understand. And my coach was like, Jay, show her what I mean. And uh, yeah. Yeah, they showed me. Uh, so, I mean, we got in the drill. We got there. There was a peak, and it was like, get rid of me. And I was – next thing I knew, I was on the floor, and I was like, 
wow okay well um so yeah that was my first and then I think the next one was uh when I got put on the line I got put at right guard and going up against the D lineman you know before I started playing pro football I I thought I was a big scary you know I thought I was big and scary and once I got there I was like I am not big or scary <laughs> It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome back to another new episode of the Team Player Podcast Fasten your seatbelts for this one We have uh, w- one of the most unique guests that has just has so many talents I think you're not even going to believe as we go through our tonight's guest's background At how many different things she has excelled in You've probably seen her on TV, too. She's also one of our most popular guests we've had. I, I just saw her on Channel 2, KPRC, Click 2 Houston. There was a story done about her. I, I know Vipe has done many great uh, uh, stories about her. She is the head strength and conditioning coach. Let me say that again. She is the head strength and conditioning coach at the Aldean High School, my favorite school in the city of Houston. Welcome to the show, Aislin Garza. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk with you tonight, Coach. Oh, uh, this one's going to be fun. Like I've, first of all, I mean, I've kind of gotten to know you just through coach Ojeda. I've been, I've, I know when you were at Sharpstown, I saw him starting to sing your praises and all, you know, he was posting things like head, you know, dance and head, you know, dance instructor slash strength conditioning coach. And, you know, you would, you kept talking about, you would not believe how qualified she is, how great she is with the kids, all the things she's doing. And it, that was the first I'd heard of you. And he was posting videos and I was seeing your work in the weight room and the buzz has just continued to grow. Now that you've come to Aldine and you've, you've taken on this, this leading an entire athletics program and a large one at a big 6A school like Aldine, I think you're really starting to finally get your flowers, as I like to say. I've really been so excited at the news coverage, and we're just so honored that you're here with us. If you're a part of the team player movement, please make sure you have given us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. Hit the follow button to subscribe and get all the latest episodes in your queue as soon as they come out. We will be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And keep up with Team Player Podcast updates by following me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. Aislinn, welcome to the show. Let's, let's dive into it. First thing I always talk about, I want parents that listen to our show to realize how hard coaches work. I'm going to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and let you inside. We are filming this at 8, 10 o'clock on a Monday night. Yes. I, I, I just... I love, I, I kind of love that, you know, because I know you've been busting your butt all day at school working for the kids. And so you told me, I, I kind of can't, I can't do the interview till 8 PM. And that's the life of a coach. I mean, I think, I don't think a lot of people are aware of that. So can you kind of speak to what your day-to-day schedule is like? Sure. Yeah. My day-to-day schedule is a little bit nuts. Um, uh, the alarm clock goes off in the morning at three 20. Um, I'm up 
I get dressed, I get ready for the day. Uh, usually the night before I try to pack, you know, uh, I am a, I am a teacher and I'm also a coach. So I pack a lot of clothes um, because I switch out. I make sure that I'm professional in the classroom, professional in the weight room and on the field. Um, head out, it's about a 40 minute drive from my house to Aldine. So I usually am pulling in the parking lot. I don't know, maybe around five, maybe like 4.50, 5 a.m. Um, and then I, I personally really enjoy it, uh, kind of being by myself in the mornings, having that solitude and um, sitting down and just looking over my, my essentially like my game plan for the day, both in the classroom and in the weight room, making sure that I've covered all my bases and dotted all my I's, crossed all my T's. Um, because inevitably, I mean, coach, you know that <laughs> sometimes you think you have everything and then you get there and you're like, crap, oh my God, I forgot this. <laughs> um, so I really like that. And then, you know, in the morning, 620, kids start coming through the door. Uh, they go to their areas and uh, 650, kids start showing up at your classroom or they, they start showing up in, in the field house. And once that 7 a.m., announcement finishes I mean it's on it's you're going you've got hour and a half classes you've got to run through all these things you've got to make adjustments you've got to greet kids out the door you've got to shake their hands you got to take their emotional and 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 mental temperatures and find out where they're at that day and how you're going to adjust for where they are which is uh, probably the biggest part of my job I would say um School gets out at 2.35. I open up the weight room at 2.45 for open weight room. We close it up at 3.45. I go to football practice at 3.45 until 5.15, get the kids on the late bus. We have coaches meetings. And then while we're doing coaches meetings, we're usually doing laundry. We're doing all the, making sure everything is clean and nice and ready for the next day. And then come home and spend time with my husband, eat, um, usually prep for the next day and then do it all over again. So I, I thank you for sharing that, Aislinn. I mean, that, that's just, I don't think, I don't think parents realize, you know, sometimes when I, uh, you know, I, I broadcast games, I see parents, you know, saying, oh, coach, I know what they're doing or this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, they, if only they knew how much effort and energy the coaches are pouring in, into their kids. And I mean, you know, you, you're a husband too. And, you know, he's, I'm sure he's very supportive of what you're doing, but there's a little time for you to kind of live your personal life. And I'm, I'm taking away from it right now, this podcast, I'm so happy, you know, that, that you, that you joined us, but I, I I'm so, I'm so thankful that you shared that with us. And I, I hope that's eye opening for a lot of our listeners. And, you know, before we dive into it, I, I got to give a shout out to Johnny Toops, the head baseball coach, the Aldine Mustangs. You, you came in here rocking a fire throwback Aldine Mustangs baseball t-shirt. It's Navy with the Columbia pride of the small eye. I saw coach. I hate bringing that back. That was a Bill Smith thing. That was something that they did in the 90s with Coach Bill Smith, and I love that Cirillo or Coach Ojeda is bringing that back. I love it 100. I love it to death. I love that T-shirt. After as soon as we finish the show, I am text. I am texting Coach Dupes to see if he can get me a 2x in that same same shirt you got. I love it. I love the the pride with the small eye, and and you know, I I just feel like at Aldine we have we have something really special. So it's really nice to be able to wear it on my chest. Absolutely. So now before we get to the Aldine portion, before we get to the now, let's, let's take it, let's take a time machine back uh, to the past. You were born in Laredo and then, you know, your whole family though is in Hebronville, which is about an hour east of Laredo. So that that's, that's your hometown. 
You moved away to Houston when you were pretty young. You eventually settled in the Katy area, but you would still spend every other weekend, all holidays, and almost every summer back home in Hebronville. So you like to say that you actually kind of split your time between Hebron and K- Hebronville and Katy, and that's a four-hour, give or take, four-hour drive. So just kind of describe what growing up was like between those two towns. Um, you know, it's very different. Uh, Hebron is a very small, small, it's a 3A, you know, it's a 3A community. And um, my whole family is there. My, my dad's family, my mom's family. And um, we were kind of the, we were the ones that left, but we're a small ranching community, ranching oil field community. We have ranches, we run cattle. So like, literally, I was, I was there and I was trying to help, you know, my family doing what what we were trying to do, which is raise the cattle and then spend time with each other. And, um, and it was interesting. Like I kind of felt like I had two lives. Um, I had my friends in Katy. I had my friends in Hebronville. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing in both places for the most part, you know? Um, and it kind of, it really, the cultures are completely different in Hebron. Everyone looks like me. They all sound like me. We grow up in the same kind of culture. We grow up eating, you know, the same arroz con pollo. And then in Katy, like things were so much more diverse. And I was, you know, not everyone looked like me and not everyone sounded like me or grew up in families like mine. So um, ultimately it was a, it was a really wonderful experience. It, it exposed me to so many different things and so many different facets of life. Um, but I think as it pertains to coaching and as it pertains to my my career and what I do now, you know, the best part of Hebronville, in my opinion, is that it's that small town atmosphere. It's Friday nights or Friday afternoons at noon when the whole town shuts down to go to the high school pep rally on Friday. And then everybody's at the game on Friday night. And, you know, there's a song that I always quote, uh, and it, they say like, you're always 17 in your hometown. Like I'm, I'm forever 17. My husband is also from Hebronville. He's forever 17. Um, we are, we are the kids that, you know, we're on the field on Friday nights. And, um, that feeling is something that doesn't go away. And, um, when we get together with our friends and family and we talk about, you know, that, that time we played Falfurrias or that time that we, we, you know, won against Banquete or we, we did all these things. And that is a big part of our lives. And I think when it comes to my coaching career, you know, we're always, we always are, are coming after like our coaches, right? Like <laughs> I'm doing impressions of our coaches that we had and my husband's <laughs> doing impressions. And um, we remember those people in those times really fondly. And um, I kind of want to give that small town experience to our kids at Aldean and to any athlete. I want them to know that they're cared about and that they're cared about as more than just an X and or an O on the paper. I, I want them to know that, you know, I came here with you in mind. Um, and a lot of that goes back to just being kind of partially raised in a small town and knowing that I was more than just an X or an O on a paper. That's beautiful. Excellent. I, I love that. I just, I, I'm so happy that you're at Aldine. I mean, it's a school, obviously, of a very special place in my heart. So I've already, we've already brought Cirillo Ojeda on the show, had a great show. Now I brought you on. I'm just so excited. I just love 
I love feeling that 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 y'all you know are kind of y'all the ones leading these kids here into the next the next generation. So I'm so happy to hear that. Love the impersonations uh, on our last episode that just came out yesterday, uh, or you know, with Ben Moran. I talked about I used to imitate Coach David Norman, my <laughs> my college coach. So I'm right there with you, and I think that's a sign of love, really. You know, it's something funny, but like whenever you feel like that close to someone that you can just do a spot on impersonation i just i love it so that's that's excellent we you listen to the show you've you i've you've said things to me that i know you're listening to the show so i know that you you know i know that you listen and you know that we like to celebrate firsts on the team player podcast we got another first tonight ladies and gentlemen this is our first drill team slash dance team guest on the show this is a i have never even come close to, to meeting someone <laughs> for, that would that would come onto this show and you are the very first your director was shannon chapman over at katie taylor high schools or ended up going to high school talk to me about the dance and drill team world i have to admit i don't know too much although when i was at ridgepoint uh my good friend the ridgepoint royals director miranda richter and i we did form a dynamic uh, hall monitor duo and she did teach me how to do a plie I, I do I do remember that she taught me how to play it. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So, yeah. So tell me what what was that world like? You know that world of dance and drill. Let's start with that. Just just describe. Maybe a lot of the listeners have, don't know about that world. Just, just tell me what it's like. Um, I think dance drill team is one of those things that if you know, you know. Right. Um, there, ah, man. A lot of people say um, from the outside looking in that dance drill team looks very strict. Um, we have a lot of rules. We have a lot of um, expectations. We have a lot of uh, standards that, that we follow that sometimes I think from the outside seem almost like meaningless like, <laughs> uh, from the outside people are like why do they care if you walk on the grass or like um why is that shade of lipstick so important um but honestly it's one of those things and i to be honest it's like football you know there's things about drill team and dance team that if you know you know like you will never ever um get to fully explain to anybody what it feels like to walk out under the lights at halftime and turn around and have the brim of your hat just in your view and kick your face because your adrenaline is going and you just can't stop your leg and um, you know what it's like to have to change your costume or your uniform on a bus of 75 girls and uh, you know the, the, the sheer terror of like wearing your uniform, trying to run and not get caught with your uniform on, trying to get food after the game, trying to change in the backseat of your mom's Tahoe so that nobody sees you. And sometimes, you know, dr dance drill team is so nuanced. Um, it's one of those things that just, you're either a part of it or you're not. And I'm very lucky that I was a part of it. It was a huge part of my high school career and my life. I love dance so much. And I think it has so many valuable lessons to teach so many people. And it's so good for, uh, across so many genres. It's so, dance is so beneficial for athletes. And it was so beneficial for me to just learn how to use, uh, use my body. I will say though, ballet did not help me at all okay. <laughs> um, I had to unlearn all of my ballet training to become a really successful weightlifter, but, um, man, toes versus heels. I take it is what you're kind of, 
So actually it's the hip rotation. Okay. Um, so that way, you know, they really focus on rotating the hips out, uh, which puts the body in a really unnatural position, um, which is actually the draw of ballet. Um, in ballet, the whole draw is that we're doing this very unnatural thing, but we're making it look very beautiful and elegant and easy. Um, and it is none of those things. Um, (laughs) but well, it's beautiful, right? But definitely like not as elegant as people think and not as easy as people think. Um, but yeah, you know, Shannon Chapman was my director. She was a very young director. Um, I was actually her last class after I graduated. She actually retired from directing. She works in real estate now. Um, I had a really large team. I, there were like 96 of us. Wow. Um, and we were very successful. We, uh, competed really hard our junior year we won nationals um, and we just worked our butts off all the time and you know it's a year-round sport so and I mean I know people are gonna say like well it's not a sport and they're not wrong they're not wrong I'm not gonna have that that fight but well um, you know I'm starting to think about it though honestly now that I think back to watching like coach Richter lead the Royals through their training and talking to you I mean I guess at the beginning of the show, I thought, oh, I'd, I never met someone that had your background that I thought would come on to this show. But now that I think about it, like, why? Why not ask Miranda Richter or any other dance instructor to come on the show? They're still coaching. Oh, They're yeah. still impacting kids' lives, you know? So I, I'm definitely, I, I'm really glad that, that you came on and, and you have that background. And I think you've opened my eyes to kind of what, you know, more about what goes on back there. And, well, thank yeah. you. Um, one of the biggest impacts for me as a strength and conditioning coach has actually been to help um dance directors better prepare their athletes because um in in sports and athletics a lot of the injury we see is from like maybe a lack of strength maybe we're asking sports athletes to do things that their bodies are not prepared for in strength where in dance we actually see the opposite we see a ton of injury due to overtraining and um because we don't as a whole in the dance community have a really solid idea and base around what strength and conditioning is and how it can be beneficial. So that's been a big kind of like side mission of mine to say, hey, like I'm a dance girl too. And I can also lift these really big weights. And this is how I want to help you help your dancers. So it's been a pretty cool little experience to this has been great already this show's off to a great start i mean we're also on a a sports podcast you're right we think of sports and we think of a scoreboard you know but you're keeping score and dance it's competition i'm about to ask you who your rival was you know so yeah shout out to all the dance directors uh shout out to gisela rosales toops who who leads the vaqueras you know i i got to meet her as i was kind of leaving she was she was assisting denise uh uh, Stanley, who was a director when I was there as well. So they were working together. Of course, she's married to Johnny Toops, the, the head baseball coach. So just really always love seeing her posting um, on Facebook about the team. And I remember when I was at Alding, the Vaqueras were just amazing. They, they were so great. They're always su- such a great bundle of energy and positivity. Uh, so shout out to, to uh, Gisela and Denise and all the directors that, you know, across the land. Thank you so much for what you do. Now, the rival. So you went to Katie Taylor. So I, I know you probably had a rival. I'm, I have a couple guesses what it's going to be, but I'm curious, who, who was your rival? I don't think it's going to be who you think it is. Because I was going to say, like, I, I was going to either guess 
and I don't know when you were in high school. So this, this, I don't know if you were, but I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you were there for Cinco. So I was going to first guess Cinco and then I was going to guess maybe Maid Creek, you know, it was kind of my thoughts. So yeah. our biggest rival uh, was always Kingwood. Interesting. Okay. So you went across town a little bit. What, tell me why, King, what was it about Kingwood? So the Kingwood Phillies, um, shout out to them. They are yeah. an amazing uh, dance team and dance program. And when you talk about just dominant, like they are, their technique is always very sound. Their, um, their performing was always very sound and dance is a little bit different. We don't, we're not a UIL um, sport. So we, we go to contests and we can go to five different contests and compete against people from all over the country, depending on who signs up for that contest and at what level that contest is because we have you know a state a regionals a, a nationals we have all those things so um it just when I was in school I was I was on the drill team um from 2002 to 2006 and when we went to contests we so when you go they have a big schedule and you can see who's performing when and I remember we used to like grab those schedules and look and see when Kingwood and it was always we were always in the same divisions as Kingwood we were always competing in the same genres as Kingwood so we would like run we would get dressed really quick we'd put on all of our makeup do all of our hair and we would run to go watch Kingwood perform if they were before us um to just prep ourselves like what we needed to do to try to beat them because they were just amazing or if we went before them we would actually stay in costume and wait we would go sit in the audience and wait and see what they what they did and um it was always you know just such a big um it was such a big rival that's the one we talk about all the time their team is the phillies and they are they continue to be dominant um you know, when I was a dance director at Sharpstown, uh, we went to a contest where my girls got to see the Kingwood Phillies and my girls were like, wow, they are amazing. And I was like, yep, they sure are. Um, so yeah, Kingwood, I think also, if I remember correctly, when I was in high school, uh, the Langham Creek Valadoras um, were also very, very uh, dominant. They were directed by Barbie Parker and there we, we didn't compete directly against them. They competed in some different um, genres. So they were really good at like prop category and um, some different like military, uh, but they were always wild to watch. And I would always think to myself, oh my gosh, like this is insane. Um, we we kind of competed in your standard, like jazz, modern, lyrical and our solos and ensembles. So. So last dance question I have, do you ever get the itch to kind of like go into, go into the, the dance, the dance room and say, Hey, just I got some ideas <laughs> you know, for the Vaqueras routine or do you, or, or as that part of your career moved on, you stay out of it? Um, you know, I, I pretty much, I love dancing. I still do choreography. I still work with teams around the, the city to choreograph for them. Okay. Um, I don't have a lot of time during the day, but, um, Kisela and I are really good friends and good. I feel very confident that if I were to text her and be like, I just need to be in the studio, she would be like, well, just come on down. That's awesome. um, 
but yeah, if she were to ask me to, to do something for them, I would do it in a heartbeat. Uh, cause I love strength and conditioning, but I, I really love dance still too. So I'm really lucky. I kind of get to scratch both, both itches when I need yeah. it. That's awesome. Okay. So after Katie Taylor, you moved on to LSU. Right. All right. You're Bayou Bengal out there in Bat- Baton Rouge and you still continued to major in dance. You're a part of the dance ensemble as a part of your major program. And you really, so you sound like you really loved your time there. You know, you're a huge LSU fan. We'll definitely get there later in the show. And then you started your teaching career actually in Louisiana. You said you got to coach cheer and dance at school. And then you were also started coaching. That's when you started coaching the CrossFit and weightlifting privately. So that's kind of my question. I know you, you did reference in high school, you did start hitting the weight room a little bit with the challenge, you know, uh, in the weight room over there. But when did you kind of get into the more of the coaching of it? Was that something that you started in high school or is it in college you discovered the love for coaching the technique of, of Olympic lifting? So I think I kind of fell into it by accident. Um, I've kind of always been a teacher in my heart. Like I love teaching and I love, um, you know, I love like light bulb moments when, when somebody understands something and I can see it in them that they understand and they can execute it. But honestly, what happened is I, I went to college and even though I was a dance major, I gained weight. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be fat anymore. (laughs) And I started doing CrossFit. I read stick CrossFit and, um, I loved it so much. And, um, I decided to become a coach because, uh, we wanted to have like a 5 a.m. class and, but there was only one person available to coach it. And you know that like coaching at 5 a.m. every single day is, you know, can mm-hmm. get miserable. So I kind of told my owners, I was like, hey, well, I'll go get certified and I'll, you know, if you need me, then I can step in, which they never did. They, they never, you know, the, the guy that did the 5 a.m., he loved it. And he was like, no, this is the best thing in my life. And I was like, well, that's great because I hate waking up early anyway. Um, <laughs> And so I kind of, I got that. And then Matt Bruce, who is actually um, a a very well-known weightlifter, Olympic weightlifter, he started training out of um, Red Stick CrossFit. He is actually a Gail Hatch protege. And um, he started training there and he's very kind, very nice guy. He's actually the strength and conditioning coach at Catholic high school now in Baton Rouge. And, um, you know, he would kind of come over and give us tips and give us pointers. And as I would see him teach and train and coach, I got more interested just kind of watching and he bless him because he kind of let me follow him around like a puppy and just watch and just see like, how do we do this? How is this, how is this programming created? How is, how does this work? Um, and I got really involved in, in, in my brain in studying the science. And I was like, well, I love this. So um, I decided to get my master's at LSU and I decided to get my master's in exercise physiology, wow. uh, which was definitely a shift. Uh, I had to, I was very behind the curve, um, but I was able to make it up and graduate. Uh, and then when I, when I got back to, you know, to Texas, I was just like, yeah, coaching is something that I want to continue doing and pursue. And, um, it's kind of taken me a weird, like wonky way to get yeah. here, but I'm here. Cause you talked about when you moved back to Texas, you actually owned a CrossFit box for a few years. You train CrossFitters and Olympic weightlifters. Um, so for people that aren't familiar, I also CrossFitted for several years. I was a part of that 5:15 AM class as a 
as a box member, like I was training there. Um, I loved it as a former athlete. The thing I love about CrossFit versus going to let's say 24 hour fitness is it feels like you're on a team. It's like, you're doing the off season together. I mean, you, we, we all have the same workout. We're doing it together. We're grinding, we're sweating, we're encouraging each other. It's not like me going into the gym and going to my bench press, doing my thing, go to my treadmill, do my thing. Like you're going, you're going through it together. Right. So I'm sure that's what drew you to it as well. That's why I loved it. But you know, CrossFit, um, it's a mixture of so many different things. We don't, you could describe, you know, in, in great detail, but for the listeners, I mean, Olympic weightlifting is a huge part of it. It's a huge part of CrossFit. So, um, your training where you started training CrossFitters, Olympic weightlifters, it was that your favorite part of CrossFit or did you like some of the other components? Cause also a lot of it's body weight, right. And, and mobility and things of that nature. So what, 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 what about CrossFit did you fall in love with? Um, I also fell in love with the team aspect. Um, I, you know, just knowing that that shared suffrage is yeah. there. Yes. Um, that was really nice for me because I mean, you, you know, I mean, if somebody tells you, Hey, you got to get this workout done and you get all day to do it, like you're going to take all day. Um, but if somebody says, Hey, uh, you have 12 minutes to do this and this person's going to do it with you. Well, that's like that additional layer of motivation. Um, and for me, honestly, I, I really loved, I like, okay, I guess this is a secret. Um, like I love gymnastics movements the most. Um, sure. I did, you know, gymnastics to an extent. I really loved diving growing up and um, dance, obviously, which has a gymnastic component. And oh, yeah. gymnastics, like pull-ups, rope climbs, push-ups, like that is my, I'm like, I love this. I want to do this all day. Um, even air squats. Um, and I love lifting weights. Olympic weightlifting is definitely something that I, I loved it because I was good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I was, a I was good at moving heavy weight fast. Um, if you, you know, if you were to see me walking down the street, I'm not exactly like a petite, delicate flower. Like I look like I was born to help you move. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I am really proud of that, but yeah. Olympic lifting is definitely something that I was already good at. And I loved that for me. So I <laughs> wanted to keep doing it. Uh, yep. um, but gymnastics movements are the, the body weight movements are the things that are very hard for me, but I really enjoy doing. So yes. I, I practice them a lot. Uh, I would say similar for me being having a football background. I was definitely comfortable with the Olympic movements and I, you know, and I'm a big guy. So I like that part. I was not good at the uh, gymnastics. So um what handstand push-ups double unders was it was one of my kryptonites you know like th those are not my things but we don't want to get too far for the listeners but if you if you're interested in crossfit I, I i was a big fan of it i know after the pandemic i i did relinquish my membership so i haven't i, I built a home gym but i do a lot of that stuff in my home gym now so definitely yeah. love crossfit so after you, you were doing that you started kind of missing teaching which i thought was great you know um I guess, I guess when, let me, let me back up one step. Cause we always ask when you, when you got to LSU, did you know you wanted to be a teacher? Absolutely. No. I okay. said, um, I am the daughter of a prosecutor and a principal. Um, okay. and I went to college and I said, I didn't know what I wanted to be, but if there was anything I did know, I did not want to be a lawyer and I did not want to be a teacher. I said, hundred <laughs> percent, I would never do either one of those things. And here I am being a teacher and a coach. Uh, 
So yeah, my dad was just the best principal, the best educator. And, um, he gave me a really, a really solid foundation. And, um, at the end of the day, I couldn't, I couldn't fight the siren song of education, I guess. And, and we, I always ask this question. So now with your answer, uh, we're at 87% of our team player alums did not enter college thinking they were going to coach. And I'm bringing on the heavy hitters across Houston. I've got, I've had great coaches, uh, grace, grace, my catalog list so far. And 87% did not enter college. That I think that's great. I, I think for anybody listening, if you're not coaching and you feel like you have a passion for kids, it's not too late. And, and people that are great coaches come from all different backgrounds. So I always, always love asking that question. So really cool to hear that. But you, you started missing teaching. Okay. So you, you, you said you missed teaching. You decided to go back kind of to your, your second home, uh, Katie, um, ISD. And you taught at Morton Ranch uh, where you were coaching the step team. And then you also kind of started dipping your toe back into the weight room a little bit, running their summer strength and conditioning camp. And so I'm curious, the time that you were there, I, I'm guessing, was that, was that Dave Meadows or, or Ron Counter? It was, Who both. Was, it was both. You were there for both. Okay. They're, they're, okay. Yeah. I always uh, like to ask that, you know, cause a lot of coaches listen. So it's good to, as a frame of reference. I, I've never met Dave Meadows, but I have met Ron counter doing broadcasting and he is, seems like a great guy. I've really enjoyed all my interactions with Ron counter. Yeah. Um, coach Meadows was, uh, on his way out. Um, I believe he retired from Morton. So okay. uh, he was there my first, uh, two years. And then, my last two years I had with coach counter. Um, and yeah, the, the last two years is when I really started getting into, you know, being a part of summer strength and conditioning programming and, and being a part of that, that whole activity that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> and, um, I got a part of, I got to be a part of it and I, I really loved it. Coach counter is a great guy. So then, uh, then you spent one year at Peto, which is the new, uh, the newest high school out there uh, in in Katy, IS, uh, ISD. Well, I guess jo I guess not counting Jordan, right? Jordan's newer, but at the time, Peto was the new school. You were the varsity cheer coach. So, Peto, obviously, I think they they did just win state, right? If I'm they won last year, they won state, you know. So uh, I'm curious because I was at Ridgepoint. We were also very successful early on, not not quite to that extreme level, but. What was it like being at a new school and just experiencing so much success? Um, I think, you know, that's such an interesting question because when I was there, it was only the school's second year. We were still, um, I think no one really understands the challenges of actually opening a school. Sure. Um, you know, I've been a teacher now for a long time. And when I need something, I go to the copy room and I grab a new stack of passes or I grab this or I make some copies and when you open a new school it's like where are the passes well someone has to order the passes <laughs> like um and <clears throat> so that that was definitely a challenge and I think that the staff and the administration really did a great job of of navigating those challenges and helping us as teachers and coaches navigate those challenges um and actually ironically when we first opened um, we got that first, my second year, or my first year there, the second year that it was open, we had like our first year of varsity level play. And it was not great. Uh, <laughs> um, as to be expected, I sure, feel. Sure, absolutely. Um, and I mean, it, you know, just to see the way that those players, because when I was there, the, the JV, the, the younger kids, man, they were just 
they were exceptional. And I was so lucky. Like I got to, um, I got to teach them. I got to have them in the classroom. I got to, to see who they were as people and then see who they were as athletes. And that was just so amazing and awesome. And honestly, I said it when I was there, um, I got to, I don't know if you, you watched that particular game, but CJ Dumas, um, was our quarterback last year at Pato, um, in the state championship. And, um, just an amazing kid with amazing leadership skills. And I said, when he was in my class at Pato, I said, this kid is going to win state like this wow. kid. Yeah. Team. Yeah. And they did. And I'm just, I'm very proud of them. It's, it's, um, it's amazing to see, uh, what that coaching staff did with those kids and what those kids did for themselves. Um, and I'm just proud to have even been there for a very short time to be a part of it. So, um, it's really, really an, a, a blessing to get to see what, what amazing things they've accomplished. I'm so glad you brought that portion of it up because I look back fondly on starting Ridgepoint and the positives of starting new, new school. Cause there are positives that you get to set the expectation and set the culture. So that, that's, that's really nice, but you're right. When I look back, people see the success of like Pato winning state or Ridgepoint, you know, advancing far in the playoffs. And they, none of them believe us when we say the first year we were God awful, <laughs> you know, cause th- you're right. There's so many growing pains. And also like some of the kids, they may be playing varsity at their old school. So they may not want to come and be a part of starting something new. Right. So there's always that where some of the kids don't come, come to the new school. And then like you mentioned all those things, building a staff, getting every, you know, so the, the first year, uh, yeah, they typically are very tough. So that, that's a really good insight. Uh, for any any parents or, or coaches listening in on it, it's there's good and bad there's yeah, and you're, yeah you're, you're spot on about that so um after after oh one more question on Pedo. I'm I'm guessing were you were you working of Sergio Gonzalez at that time or yeah, yeah, yeah. so okay you know, after, um actually he was like one of my first friends at school uh he worked on the second floor and I worked almost directly underneath him on the first floor and um yeah, that's how we, we got to know each other. We got to be friends and, um, you know, we, we bonded and we're both Hispanic. So that was, that was a really cool connection. And, and, and powerful because I, mean, I, I know you, I know your, your weightlifting resume speaks for itself. I know Sergio is still throwing plates around. I've seen him on Facebook. So man, that guy is strong. Very like, strong. Yeah. I, it is wild how, yeah how much he still lives and i'm like hey man we're in our 30s now we can chill and he's like no so um but yeah he's a he's a really good friend of mine i'm very lucky to have him kind of on my team sergio is definitely i'm waiting for the right time to to get him on the show because i mean i I met him when he was at uh austin high school in hisd and i was at aldine and so we we kind of did we uh, were able to connect him and coach kirk was his head coach at the time and we rest in peace and, uh, you know, we, we were able to, uh, do some lineman challenges together. And I just loved his like hunger, uh, for knowledge, you know, for now him and coach, uh, Sorio both, you know, we're just like these young coaches that really impressed me over there. And, um, so we've, we've stayed friends this whole time and now he is leading his own program, right? He, he, he is, uh, he's out there at Chavez doing a great job. He is just like you, where you can just feel the love for his kids oozing off of them and everything that he posts on social media. So yeah, I, I love seeing that. I'm so, I thought it's cool that you guys kind of, y'all cross paths there uh, at Peyto. But, you know, then after that, this is where the story starts bringing in Coach Ojeda, one of our team player alums. You went to Sharpstown High School. I'm curious, was that by coincidence that you just happened to go to Sharpstown or, or did Coach Ojeda bring you to Sharpstown? No. So actually, um, 
it's funny that you asked that because I was at Pato for one year and I actually took a year off of teaching. Okay. Um, I took a year off. I, uh, I was actually working in tech. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, I was laid off. Uh, for my job and I I'm the type of person I've never not had a job I've never only had one job this is the first time in my entire life that I've only had one job um, simply because I, I can't fit any other job in any other time right um, but uh, I got laid off I didn't know what to do um, and I think shout out to my husband because um, in that year off I think I really didn't know what I wanted to do anymore <laughs> um I was like you know and, and and no and I'm done with teaching and I'm done with coaching and I'm not going to do this anymore and I'm not and my husband bless him you know he was like yeah okay sure bro whatever yeah. um <laughs> and but he was very supportive and he was like you know BB whatever you want to do like you do that and I was like yeah okay I'm gonna do that I'm gonna work remotely and I'm gonna work in tech um, it was a terrible life choice, but yeah. uh, ultimately it led me, it, I, I was laid off because of the pandemic. And then, um, as I was kind of looking at my future opportunities, I remember coming to him and kind of being a little sheepish and, and saying, uh, Hey, um, what do you think about me going back to teaching? And he was like, I thought you'd never ask. Um, <laughs> So I said, uh, you know, I want to go back, but I'll only go back if I can teach dance. I'm not going to teach anything else. Like I want to yeah. just teach dance and I want to direct a drill team. And he was like, whatever you want, man, love your best life. And yeah. um, so I actually interviewed, I had to do like a, like an online job fair with HISD, Sharpstown had a position open, Milby had a position open. And I interviewed with Sharpstown and I just felt really, really good about it. And they offered me the position. I accepted. It was, I was like, okay, I'm going to teach dance. That's what I'm going to do. And ironically, you know, you brought up Surge. When I got the job at Sharpstown, um, Cirillo had just gotten the job earlier that year in March, right before the pandemic. So when I got the job, uh, Serge texts me and was like, yo, like, you're going to be working with my boy Ojeda. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Who's that? Um, and he was like, yeah, he's really cool. Like, you're going to, you're going to enjoy working with him. And I even told, I think I even told Serge, like, well, I mean, I don't know how much I'll even work with him because, you know, he teaches math and he'll coach football and I teach dance and I'll direct the control team. Like, how much could we possibly work together? Um, and the answer to that is a lot. Right. Um, so yeah, that's how I kind of ended up at Sharp Sound. I did not know Cirillo, but we very quickly, once we met and, you know, as a, as a coach, um, as a football coach, a lot of things have to be coordinated that people don't recognize. Like mm -hmm. there has to be a plan for pregame and a plan for halftime and how you do all these things with the drill team and the cheerleaders and all this stuff. So, um, very quickly, we realized that we work very well together. Um, we are kind of both a little neurotic and <laughs> we both like things a certain way. And thankfully, uh, we, we both like things the same certain way. So quickly, it was a very good working relationship. And, and um, from there, you know, 
our sharp sound was our family and his family was our family and our family is his family. And that's how sharp sound went. <laughs> no, I love it. I love, and that's the thing I love now that I'm starting this show and we're kind of starting to build this little community and like, we're getting these people that are interested and invested and listening to every show. And it's like, it's just crazy how all these different paths come together, like you and Serge and meeting Cirillo. And it's just, I, I just love it. I, I love it. I love hearing these stories. Now you mentioned your husband. Let's give him his flowers, you know, because you, you told me that you had an interesting uh, kind of a, you know, first meeting, right? Inside of a weight room, <laughs> so fittingly would have it. If you don't mind, tell the listeners a story of how you met your husband. Um, actually, so, and my husband is from Hebronville and I was there one summer, um, the summer before our freshman year of high school in our hometown, we do this thing. Um, called Midnight Madness. Um, so the first day of football practice in the summer, like let's just say August 1st, um, everybody prepares and we start practice at 12 a.m. on August 1. Um, so the whole town comes out, there's concession, there's everything. Um, and it's just a really fun thing. But the other thing and kind of, I guess the unspoken thing is like, you know, that's the junior high football players transition. to like, now this is big boy high school football. So um, my husband, his name is Ramon, and he and some of the other kids in the class of 06 uh, kind of said like, no, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get us. Like, we're not gonna puke. Like, we're gonna work really hard all summer. and We're gonna show out at Midnight Madness. So they were there at the, at the football field where the little weight room was um, every day working out. And I just so happened to actually be there. Um, and I was standing on the porch um, and he saw me from far away and he asked a friend and he was like, who is that? And uh, the friend told him, oh, that's Aislinn. That's, uh, and actually I had a boyfriend at the time. He was like, that's, <laughs> that's so-and-so's girlfriend. And Ramon was like, oh, okay, cool. And so then he found a person who had my email address and he added me on, <laughs> on MSN Messenger. <laughs> and I, Sliding I, into the DMs, mid 2000s edition. Right, right, right. And I was like, who is this? I was like, who are you? And he was like, oh, I'm Ramon. And I was like, <laughs> cool. Um, so we, I, I lived far away, you know, I yeah. lived five hours away. So we were just, you know, we would chat every once in a while. And then, you know, me and my, my boyfriend broke up and then eventually Ramon and I started dating and we didn't date all throughout high school. We dated for a little bit, kind of broke up. We stayed really good friends. We were friends throughout college, everything. And then, um, we got back together and within two weeks of I guess getting back together and dating, he was like, you want to be my wife? And I was like, yeah, let's do that. Love so, it. Oh, this is, and this everybody, is such a great. You know, everyone that we know is like, yeah, it's about time y'all did this. So Right, 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 right. No, yeah. this is great. And this is why I love this show. It's like, it's not, it's really not about X's and O's, honestly. Like, I don't want to, I don't really like talking too much about it on this particular show because I love the story of how you overcame getting laid off. I mean, I also was laid off during the pandemic. I get it. I get those feelings of despair and doubt and all those things creeping in. So I think a lot of listeners have probably gone through something similar. And I love how you can share that now 
look at you getting recognized on NBC, KPRC, click to Houston and all those kinds of things, you know, what, what a difference a year makes. And then secondly, I just love these stories of how people, how coaches meet their significant others. And it, it takes a special person to be married to a coach, to be a coach and to be married to a coach. Right. And so I couldn't do anything without him. He 100% takes care of me. I would not eat if it wasn't for him. My house would be a mess. Like he is such a help. And he, I probably, like you say, like I probably don't give him his flowers enough because Mm -hmm. he handles, I handle some things with the house and everything that I can do from like far away. But when I tell you, he is just hands down, not only like the person that keeps everything together, but he is 100% my biggest fan. Um, And I'm his biggest fan. Like he's just the best. And, um, but he is just amazing. I could not do anything I do without him. I love it. And I asked you for a couple of funny stories and you you brought up one and I don't, I don't know if you're okay. I don't want to, this was a secret you've kept until now. You're going to reveal it here for the first time on the team player podcast. Tell us a story about Coach Ojeda and you having to do laundry at Sharpstown. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that this is (laughs) – okay, okay, okay. So um, at Sharpstown, we only had one washer-dryer. And mostly it's for athletics. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was in fine arts, and I I had a very small dance team. So I would bring our – costumes and everything home I would wash them myself here Uh, but once I started being the strength and conditioning coach at Sharpstown you know I was helping with laundry and I was taking on those duties as assigned right Mm -hmm. yep and um and so one day I don't remember exactly like I I want to I've been thinking about this and I think the washer and the dryer were both full so we were going to have to rotate the laundry out. And, um, when we walked into the laundry room, Ojeda went directly to the dryer and started pulling all the dry stuff out. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to move this, these wet clothes over to the dryer. You put the dirty clothes in the washer and go ahead and get it running. Uh But in my brain, I was, I was looking at this industrial washer and it has so many buttons. Right. And I was (laughs) like, Oh my God, I'm going to ruin these clothes. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I was like, where does the soap even go? Right. 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 This like, so I like had a mini panic attack, but then I was like, no, you know what? I'm a fake it till I make it. So I, (laughs) I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I can do that. And in my brain, I thought, okay, I know for a fact that the dirty clothes have to go in the washer. So I started doing that like a little bit slowly. And if you know Coach Ojeda, he does everything fast. Like he Uh wants it done like now. So (laughs) I knew him really well to the point where I knew that. And I was like, if I start putting these in slowly, he's going to come over and start helping me. Like he's going to find the soap and he's going to put it in. And so I can just watch Watch and and I can pretend like I already knew what I was doing. So that's what I did. I started putting in the clothes like pretty slow because there were a lot of them. And I was like, yeah, and I'm just talking about nonsense. I don't even know what I was talking about. And, and sure enough, he came over and he turned around, he got the focus soap. He's like, (laughs) he lifts up the side, he pour, and I'm just watching very intently, like, oh my gosh. Okay. 
So from that, he taught me how to do laundry. He had no idea. Like I knew how to do laundry at my house, <laughs> not at school. And sure, it's and different. He, yeah, man, he. I told him about this. I told. I just. I literally told him about this like three days ago, and he's like, <laughs> "You did what?" And I was like, "Wow, mind your business." Like just, I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for teaching me how to do laundry. <laughs> I love you. You're kind of that, that type that like won't ask for directions. Like on, when you're lost in the road, <laughs> same kind of thing, right? You just, yeah. yeah I mean, you didn't want to ask it. I was like, okay, I don't want, cause I mean, how does that look? Right? Like sure, look at I get it. Yeah. I'm not knowing how to wash clothes. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to fake it. I'm just, I'm going to figure it out. And I love it. So, and you pulled it off. You, if you would never said anything, he never would have known until he listened to this episode of the podcast. Yep. But And now like I want, I would, I'm going to go on a limb and say I'm in like the top three laundry doers at all. Yeah, absolutely. Schools. Most, most definitely. So then you, okay. So this past weekend on Saturday, and again, you have so much going on. <laughs> we, we were talking about maybe doing our interview this Saturday, this yeah. past Saturday, but you said, coach, I'm going to Austin to play for the Houston energy pro women's football team. And I said, Hey coach, you worry about winning that game. I'll catch you next week. Right. So we, we said, that's why we're, we're doing this tonight, but I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to disrespect anything going on in Austin, but y'all went over to Austin. You put down a beat down. I saw you, you post a score yesterday. So congratulations, huge win for the energy. Tell us about playing with women's pro women's football here in Houston with the energy. You know, I could have never imagined that this is what I would be doing as a 34 year old woman. Um, but man, I got to say, like, I've always loved football so much and, I've always wished that I could play. Um, I wanted to play as a little kid. My mom was like, absolutely not. You're not going to do that. Um, understandably so. Um, and I always just kind of wished I could play and be a part. Um, I helped my friends in high school, you know, review their plays. And I started working on a football staff pretty early, like as early as 2008. Um, and I've always been involved with football. And so to kind of not get that experience of playing in a league or like playing with people, playing tackle football, it kind of always bummed me out. And then last year, I just, I was like, you know what? Like, I know women play. Like, I know they have to play. So looked them up, Houston Energy, longest running women's tackle football league in the city. Cause um, I don't know if people know this, but we actually have three teams in Houston um, for women's tackle football. And so they actually had a tryout. They were gonna have a tryout like within two weeks of me looking them up. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna try out. And my husband was like, are you sure? Like you've never done this before. And I was like, yeah, like what's the worst that can happen? I don't make it. Okay. Like that's fine. Um, so I went out there and tried out and I made the team and I mean, it's incredible. Like we are literally a group of women. We always wanted to play football and now here we get the chance to do that. And, um, you know, we've got a great, no pun intended. We've got great energy. Um, we have, um, a great vibe. We really take care of each other as much as we can. And, um, it's a bunch of, it's like 40 women who are just, you know, 40, 50 women who are just living out our dream of like getting to do this one time. Yeah. And it's, it's really fun. It's amazing. I really enjoy it. Um, so yeah. Now I'm sure if, if 
you know, we asked you who taught you everything, you know, about football. I'm sure coach Ojeda would, would probably raise his hand and say, Oh yes, you know, I've taught Aislinn everything that she, but you said there's actually somebody else that taught you football. So let's, 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 let's hear that story. Um, my mom taught me everything I knew yeah. about football until I got to coach Ojeda. But, <laughs> um, I grew up in a household with my mom and my dad. My mom is a huge LSU fan. Um, we, every Saturday, we need to watch the games. Um, my mom and I have, she is the biggest fan. Like we have been through ups and downs with LSU my whole life, her whole life. Um, and we have rituals, you know, on Friday mornings, uh, we call each other. She's retired now. So it's a little bit different because she's not up and going to work, but, um, you know, she calls me in the morning on Fridays and we have to discuss the Saturday down South newsletter. We need to discuss what's going on in the SEC and who did what, yeah. who's out on, you know, on IR and who's doing this and um, what, what we feel like it's looking like. And if we're concerned about so-and-so and do we think this person's going to, going to come back this week and how do we feel about Brian Kelly being the new coach and, um, you know, oh my gosh, Tommy Moffat is not the strength coach anymore. And, um, every Saturday, I mean, it's tradition. Like we go, go to her house. She makes a big old deal. She makes food, everything. She has her own version of the fight song. If we make a touchdown, she's going to get up and dance. She's going to do her little fight song routine. Um, and it's epic. I mean, yeah. if you were to see her and, see us like we really care and we're not we're not like those fans like we're not gonna say anything to anybody other anyone else's team like right. we love LSU we're never gonna go to anyone else and say like oh your team is trash but you know don't come for our team uh because right. we will have something to say but man that that lady is the biggest football fan she's the biggest LSU fan um, she's the biggest SEC fan that's where she and I differ like if if an SEC team is playing she will cheer them on I am not like that if Alabama is playing I am not cheering them on I'm not cheering on Auburn and I'm not yep. cheering Florida um other people sure but not them <laughs> that's funny I'm the same way as you and I, I think maybe some of that can be generational like my father like I've become a big Michigan fan my wife's from Michigan I've really become a big Michigan Wolverines football fan so it was a great season last year but um, you know, my father-in-law is like your mom. He always going to root for the big 10 team, no matter what, even if it is Ohio state, which they call that team up north, or that team down South, you know? Uh, so I, I, I disagree. I never want Ohio state to win. I hate, I mean, I've got a great Ohio state fans like coach Dover is a good friend of mine, but I just don't want them to win. And I don't care if they're in the big 10. <laughs> so I can totally relate to what you're saying. You know, um, Aislinn, one, one thing that I really liked from your interview uh, for NBC, you, you talked about that you really hope that young girls see what you're doing and want and want, want the same thing for themselves. And I, and I interviewed Coach Ojeda, you know, one thing we talked about was the importance of representation. And he told the story that when he was at Pasadena, there was one Hispanic coach that he ever saw his entire life, you know? And now he, he's a part of the Hispanic uh, high school, you know, coaches association. And he's, he's a, he's a leader in that. And, and this organization with all those coaches you mentioned, like Serge and, you know, coach Soria and, and so on and so forth. Like they're, they're, they're leading this robust growing organization and things are changing, you know, and I feel like you're doing the same thing. So I, I, I want you to 
you just you're just such a unique person i'm so happy that you came i mean literally on this show we've talked about you you've done dance you've done powerlifting. you've done olympic lifting you've played football tackle padded football and these are all things that in the past people could never put together you you could never see someone a girl that can that is a you know a beast in the weight room also having incredible gymnastic ability and ballet skill right you you just have so many of these things that i guess in the past we never thought could could marry together yet you're doing it and i think you're really showing myself and everyone listening that anything's possible so can you talk about that statement you made about trying to be an inspiration for girls you know yeah speak to that a little bit please um you know it's crazy because i didn't really think i was doing anything special um you know, I was just kind of uh, <laughs> at Sharpstown, at Morton Ranch. I was just doing what I like to do. And I, I kind of, I talked about it on the news and I talked about it a little bit with Vibe. Um, but the moment that I kind of realized it was something special, I was running sat camp at Sharpstown and I had this one little girl um, and I won't use her name but you know, I had this one little girl, we'll call her Jay. And I started noticing that Jay was showing up to the morning sack session and the afternoon sack session. And she was working out in the morning. And then she was, um, she was my demo girl in the afternoon. So, um, I had recently had surgery. I wasn't able to demonstrate a lot. So I would use Jay to demo the, the movements and to demo what I expected. And um, I noticed that she was coming a lot, but I kind of just thought maybe she just didn't have anything else to do. So she was just coming because her friends were there. And it wasn't until the end of the the summer that she kind of said, she came to me and she was like, coach, how do I, how do I get to do what you do? Like, how do I get to have your job? And my immediate response was like, how do you get to be a dance teacher? Like you just go go to school for it yeah. and um she was like no like with the weights like how do I get to do that and it kind of hit me that um you know girls are seeing what I'm doing and they want to do it but also that they think that it's normal right. um and that's good because I I never had a, a coach that looked like me like I never had um I never saw a woman on the sidelines at a football game um, and, and I want that for people if that's what they want. Um, I think that the biggest and maybe the best part of my job, you know, I love light bulb moments, but one of the top five best things about my job is getting to see girls who are unafraid and excited about being strong because I did not grow up in a society where that was okay. Um, you know, I, I was so excited on my way to Austin. Uh, I had a girl who's, she's a track athlete and she has been coming to open weight room and she's excited about doing powerlifting next year. And she sent me a message and she was like, I miss the weight room already. And she's very, <laughs> she's very slim. She's, you know, she's going to be one of my 95 pounders in weightlift in powerlifting, but um she was like I missed the weight room already and I was like it'll be Monday before you know it like I'm so excited to see you after school it's gonna be great and she said um and it's so funny because she was like thunder thighs all 2022 and I was like yeah <laughs> thunder thighs let's yeah. go and it's so nice to see that shift in in 
the, the feeling around being strong. Like it's good to be strong and to feel confident and to feel, and if I can be even a little bit of that representation for people, um, for women, for girls, but also for boys, you yes. know, too often we, we see guys who think that a woman who is assertive and direct, we have very negative connotations with that. And I want that to stop. Like my boys know that, you know, and you can ask them, coach Garza likes things a certain way. Um, you, they'll tell you coach Garza does not smile unless you earn it. You need to, you need to be able to do what you need to do to earn these things. And it's not that she is mean and heartless and all these things. It's that she is our coach. She has standards. You meet her standards and expectations. You have a good outcome. You don't, that's not on her. That's on you. And so I think it's a really, it's a really good lesson for girls. It's a really good lesson for boys. And I just feel really lucky, you know, um, even being a part, cause I'm also a part of the, the Hispanic Texas high school football coaches association. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, they're very inspirational. It, yes. it sometimes I forget that <laughs> I forget that, you know, dang, like we're doing something big and yes. kids need to see themselves. And if any girl at Aldean Senior High School or at any game that we play or whatever can look on a football field and see me on the sidelines in my coaching polo and my slacks and doing this job, and if any of them see themselves in me and they want to be the person on the sideline, I want them to know that they can do it. So, I mean, it's not easy. It's def it definitely comes with its own, I don't know, obstacles its mm -hmm. own things that are not always fun they're not always easy to deal with but man if i can make that path easier for a little girl behind me then i'm willing to put up with whatever i have to put up with to do that i, I love hearing that i mean when i when i had caitlin caitlin riley on the show or, or earlier on i think she was episode three you know she's she's a girl soccer coach and we talked about how when you know most of her coaches were men in high school and we started talking about it. i i don't understand why if a man can coach girls sports why can't girls sports coach why can't girls coaches coach men's sports and and she she agreed with me and she just said hey it's all about just being the most qualified for the position and so that's why i love that i love that you that you're inspiring girls but i also love what you're talking about with the boys teams and I loved watching on the, I loved watching you coach them on the video. You're qualified, you know what you're doing and you're there for a reason. And I, I was watching and I actually went into my weight room and cleaned up some of my technique from the stuff you were showing them. I, I seriously, I went and cleaned up my hand clean technique and worked on some of the techniques you were showing them. So um, I'm just, so I'm here for it. And I'm so glad we could bring you in and kind of give you some more shine. You've got plenty because <laughs> you've earned it, but now we got you on the, on the podcast circuit, you know, giving you some of that podcast love, but it's, this has been awesome. But everybody that's a fan of the show knows that we always finish with the start bench cuts. You did another first, Aislinn. You're the first person that made a demand of me before you would come on the show. It's like you got an agent or something. <laughs> <laughs> you said, you said, Kobo, I'll come on your show on one condition. I was like, oh my God, is this going to be like, I have to pay you something or, you know, but it was really fun what you said. You said, hey, I don't want to play start bench cut. 
I said, okay, that's a big part of the show, but like, I'll, I'll, I'm listening, you know, and he said, Hey, as a strength coach, that might not be the best fit. I said, okay. So we did make an amendment. We decided you're going to play the Mount Rushmore, right? So the Mount Rushmore is the first time we've done this. You're the first one I've, I've, I've uh, brought up the Mount Rushmore. It's going to be your top four, right? So Mount Rushmore has four presidents on it. So where I'm asking you, your Mount Rushmore of coaches that you've worked with. So I want to know your top four best coaches that, that have you've come across in your career. I'd like you to list those out. And then if there are some coaches that, that are on your wish list, you know, that like are, are very close to that top four and you, you just, you haven't had a chance to work with them. I'd be curious to know who they were as well. So let's, let, let's hear coach Garza's uh, Mount Rushmore of coaches. Okay. So my top four that I have worked with, um, and I have a variety of reasons, so I'll try and I'll try to keep it, keep it cute. I'll try to keep it short. Um, but my top four that I've worked with, uh, I would say for sure is, is coach Ojeda. Mm -hmm. Um, not just because he's my current boss, but he's also my current boss. Um, but what, you got to be <laughs> job security, <laughs> but also because, um, you know, he really, empowers me and encourages me to do my job like at the end of the day I feel like as a woman in this role it's easy to feel imposter syndrome it's easy to feel like oh my gosh like what if I'm not good at this or what if I'm not as good as everyone thinks I am and he is very much the person who says hey stop you're the expert you don't have to explain to me you do what you do and I'm gonna deal with it and I'm like okay like cool yep um and that that's been really empowering and encouraging for me as a coach so definitely coach ojeda um the second one that is on my mount rushmore is a guy named coach chris or uh he's the head basketball coach for girls at fort ben austin okay that's my alma mater yeah there you go wow well, i'm gonna have to def i've never met him or heard of him i will def okay I tell me more i'm very interested now so coach or and i worked together at morton ranch high school um, okay. he was actually my mentee i taught him how to teach the class that we used to teach uh, and that actually now i teach again um but he is not only like a phenomenal technician when it comes to basketball um he's incredible with fundamentals and foundational movement on the court um his excitement and his passion for teaching and teamwork and culture on his team in his classroom is infectious. Like we had so much fun together as a team, as a teaching team. And now that I'm in the role that I'm in, um, you know, he will take videos of his kids and be like, coach, give me some feedback on this clean coach. What do they need to be doing? Like, how can, how can I work harder to make them better? And that's just so valuable to me as a coach. He's constantly seeking feedback from other people and implementing that feedback and he's just he's a no ego kind of guy and just working with him is like a dream so coach ojeda coach or um man okay so my third one i i've really thought about this a lot um and uh it's not a coach so don't okay don't um, but the third one is, uh, Javette Forges. She is an athletic trainer. Okay. Um, she was at Morton Ranch High School with me as well. And now she works at Pasadena Memorial. Um, Javette Forges 
is one of the most direct, passionate, and knowledgeable people I've ever worked with in my entire career. Um, the relationships that she builds with athletes is top notch um, to a point, and her, and not only are the relationships top notch, but the knowledge behind the relationship just builds so much trust between her and those athletes. Um, and when she validates a coach, a program, a player, something like that, it's like an unspoken, like, no, Doc Forge has said that this is what I need to do. So this is what I need to do. And it's just, it, I feel like, and she probably doesn't even know this. She's one of my really good friends. And I, I don't know that I've ever even said this to her, but I learned so much from her about being a coach and the type of coach I wanted to be just from watching the way she is a trainer with her athletes. Um, and I mean, when I think about those top four, I'm just like, oh, like Javette Forges. Um, and then my last one is actually, man, I don't even know where Coach Shoptaw is, but it's Johnny Shoptaw. He was the head coach at University High in Baton Rouge. Okay. Um, he was actually my first, that was my first football staff that I ever worked on. Um, and I got that job by accident. I got that job because they thought I was a boy. Um, and then I showed up for my interview and I was not a boy. Um, so uh, it was an internship. It was for a class. I needed a, a coaching practicum class. And, you know, to his credit, he, he took on the challenge. I had had a lot of interviews before university high and they all said thanks but no thanks we're not going to put a girl in our staff um and he took on the challenge he we navigated a lot of crazy things like how do I get to my office if I can't get in the locker room like how do I do mm -hmm. these things um he was so patient and so kind he took the time to teach me how to watch film like teach me what I'm supposed to be watching teach me um, you know, the way to run a practice, how a practice schedule should look, the way things should rotate, the, you know, different things, different drills, different, um, just so many different things. And I, he's in my top four because he's the first person that ever took the time to do that and not to treat me just like some girl. Um, you know, I had a lot of trouble and I still have trouble because I work with Coach Ojeda like every day on football and and playbooks and X's and O's and all those things. But he was the first one who recognized that I was really struggling to understand looking on the paper. And he walked me out to the practice field and physically walked me through the play and what I, each person was supposed to be doing. And to me, that was invaluable. He didn't have to do that. He didn't, he could have just said, well, you fail. Like, I'm just not gonna sign off on your stuff. And, um, you know, he actually made the difference for me because when I told my, my professor at school that I was going to try to get a job in, in football, my professor laughed in my face. Um, and he told me, no one's ever going to hire you. And Johnny Choptaw hired me. So, um, that was really just, he will forever be on my top four that I've worked with. Um, my top four that I want to work with, um, <laughs> I really want to work with, um, oh my gosh, I'm, my mind is blank now. I really want to work with Tommy Moffitt. Uh, he was yeah. 
longtime strength and conditioning coach at LSU. I got the opportunity to meet and talk with him. Um, he actually just followed me on Twitter. So I feel like a celebrity now. Oh my but, gosh. That's awesome. Um, but he is such a good technician. He has, he's probably forgotten more stuff about strength and conditioning than I've ever known in my life. And I think just the opportunity to work with him just even for a little bit would be amazing. I really want to work with Alan Bishop at the University of Houston with men's basketball. Um, He is a good friend of mine um, and he is just so smart. Like the amount of knowledge in his brain um, is just amazing. Actually him and if I could put him and Autumn Lockwood together because they both work uh, with basketball at UH. Um, but man, they are like, you want to talk about the, the perfect combination of like strength and conditioning and sports scientists, like that is them. And I just feel like they have so much to, to learn, to teach me for me to learn and to contribute. Um, every time I go, uh, talk with them or hang out with them, I just, my mind is like, like, I just want to know, I just want to know everything. Um, I guess my third one would be, oh man. Okay, so this is just like a personal thing. I really want to work with the strength and conditioning program at, um, with the Savannah Bananas. Oh yeah, I just saw them do the Harlem Shake on, the, on Twitter the other day. This looks like so much fun. The Savannah, like I just, every yeah. single time, I'm like, I don't know who does their strength stuff, but I... Yeah if I could just work on that team, like, Oh, sure. Yeah. Because I, you know, it's, it's funny. Like it's all like gimmicks and all these things, but they're playing real baseball. And those guys are like, Holy crap. They are so incredibly talented. They're so incredibly strong. Um, and it's pro baseball. So, I mean, that would be just amazing. And then my last one, um, because I kind of feel like I missed my opportunity to do this. Um, but uh, if I could work with Gail Hatch, um, that would be amazing. And I miss my opportunity in Baton Rouge, but, um, Gail Hatch will always be on my top four coaches. I I would love to work with, or, you know, have the chance to just sit down and, and let's just chat. And so, yeah, those are my, I guess those are my Mount Rushmore's. I really thought about this. I want you to know, yeah. like, man, I'm making demands over here. Let me make sure that <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that I get it right um but yeah and actually if I could throw one more in sure Maddie Rogers um she is an Olympian and she's an Olympic weightlifter um not that she's a coach uh but she does coach Olympic weightlifting for for a select group of people and you know she's an icon um when I think about people that I want to be when I grow up it's Maddie Rogers Um, she is just, she's so open and she's so honest about her training and she's really validated a lot of athletes, especially a lot of female athletes. Um, and the idea that like, not everything has to be perfect. Um, you don't have a good training day every day and that's okay. Um, one of my good strength and conditioning coach friends, Missy Mitchell Macbeth always says that, you know, full-time consistency beats part-time intensity. And 
I, I really put that in my brain, but sometimes it's really hard to remember that like, even if you come in and you have a crap workout, like it's still better than not having a workout. Right. Um, and to see Maddie Rogers as an Olympian, just be honest about her mental health. And sometimes you do have a crap day and sometimes you do drop a weight and it shatters the window of your gym, like whatever, every day is mm -hmm. different. Yep. And sometimes you go to the Olympics. So, um, if I could add her on there, but yeah, that's my, what is that? That's my top nine. Um, hey, this show is all about recognizing anybody and everybody. And so I, I love what you said. Like, okay. So coach OR, like, I, I don't know him, but like, I've definitely seen on Twitter. He's the first basketball coach I've seen. Like he's always posting like their off season. Like when a kid hits a new uh, power clean record or hand clean record or whatever they're working on, like he posts it, they get, I don't see this in basketball a lot. Like football teams, a lot of times will do like thousand pound club. Like he's doing that for his basketball program. So now that, now you said that I've put two and two together of like, okay, this is a basketball coach that's focused on movement and strength. And so I'm definitely going to, I'm going to connect with him because I, I think oh, I love that. Tell him I sent you. He yes. is really, he is an angel. He is so good at what he does and he's all about the kids. And I feel really lucky to, have worked with him. Um, and man, like we, we had so much fun. You'll have to ask him about, we just, every day was a party at our, yeah. in our little tea shack. So <laughs> tea shacks are the best. I used to love when I get assigned to a tea shack, but, and then we set up and I, I was, I was a coach forges. I don't remember if I'm saying the name, yeah. right. you know, but athletic trainers are such a huge part of the program. And to me, yes, they are coaches. They are coaches. So that's, that actually jogs my memory that maybe that'd be another one we need. And I, I mean, I I've seen you being challenged by the athletic trainers at all Dean for your mobility work. And I've been following that on Twitter that you, you guys kind of going back and forth. I hope you did your workout today. Hope don't make an excuse that you had to do a podcast. <laughs> uh, they require me to do it before I go to sleep. That's so, great. Yeah. Well, they, uh, athletic trainers are the unsung heroes. Absolutely. Athletics. So important. Well, I couldn't do without them. Well, there you have it, folks. That is Aislinn Garza. She has been our guest. And what, an, what a memorable episode. I've just been, it's been a roller coaster in a good way. Because you've just taken us like down so maybe, maybe it's more like a, a lazy river. Like I've just been taking us through all these, you're the most unique person I've met on this show. <laughs> as far as how many different things you have excelled at. It's really cool. Um, I think, again, like I said, in the past, I think these are things that people would see as like contrasts and things that you can't do together. And you've disproven all of that. You've proven that all of these things can build upon each other and it's okay. And you just follow what makes you happy and what you can excel at and, and make you better. So this was great. Oh, and if, if, if you support the team player podcast, if you're about this team player life, let us know about it. A lot of the guests that we've brought on are literally people reaching out to me, a DM text. Hey, Kobo, I like what you're doing. And we bring them right on the show because that's what we want. We want to keep building this community of positive people with the same kind of mindset. So reach out. If you're digging this show, we want to hear about it. Hit us up at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. We lift up our own here inside Team Player Nation. So I'll bring you on if you're enjoying it. Um, as always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast provided by two of my former players that I'm so proud of. The cover arts by Kaiser St. Cyr. If you need graphic design work, I can connect you teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. And our intro and exit music is one more good enough from Avrion, Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Big thanks again to our special guest, Aislin Garza. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support. And we'll catch you all down the road. Just, just, just.
It always feel like I need one more bar and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more bar and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more bar and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily But now I got a legacy, 